Ladies and gentlemen, attention everyone. Welcome to No Picks After Dark. It's your boy Nick Burke, and you are now tuned in to the hottest podcast in the world with Aaron Dante, giving you the hottest interviews with the dopest people, sharing their experiences from your neighborhood all around to the world. Voted Best Baltimore Podcast by you, the listeners. Now, your host, Aaron Dante. Yo, Aaron, talk to him. Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. And today we have a very special show for you folks. Uh, I tell you, you know, I had never been out to the Guinness Open Gate Brewery. And I was like, I really want to check this place out. I've heard so many amazing things. Friends have all over been like, you got to check it out. It's right, it's right in your backyard. So I went on a quick tour. And the guy that's going to be on the show gave me the tour. I mean, he knows everything about Guinness. We had a great conversation. I mean, a great conversation. It was like, I didn't want to leave. I was like, hey, hang out with me longer. I want to talk just because it was so much knowledge that I love. I love knowledge. I love learning new things. So without further ado, folks, Mr. Ryan Wagner, the Guinness ambassador. We talk about ambassador. I mean, I had to go through clearance to hang out with him. So you're the ambassador of Guinness. So you had to go through a couple checkpoints to get with this guy. So what's up, brother? How you doing today? Good, man. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, man, I'm happy that you come on No Picture Dark Show. It's going to be a great show. And it's a special one because, you know, we're celebrating something very special. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But let's first talk about you. Um, tell us a bit about, are you from Baltimore? And what was, your, if you're from Baltimore, what is your favorite childhood memory growing up? Uh, yeah, I am from Baltimore. This is uh, the city has a very special piece of my heart. Generations before my family has been from Baltimore. Uh, I was born at uh, GBMC, uh, and my family growing up, we lived on Raymond Avenue, which is uh, up near Herring Run Park on the north side of the city. And uh, you know, it's it's um, when you grow up in Baltimore, there, there are so many things that stand out. You know, but for me, it was Herring Run Park. It was this, you know, the, the playground back there. They had this big giant. Uh, metal sliding board or slide that got so hot in the summertime. And back then, like kids today, everything's protected. Like the ground is nice and soft. When you land off the slide, the slide is made out of something. But that slide, I will always remember, because even as like a three and four year old kid, you got off that slide as quick as you could, because I think it was going to burn your legs. Uh, You know, it's I just I remember how much I loved being in the city when I was a kid. And when I was uh, about six years old, we moved to Hartford County. And I went to school up there, uh, but my wife and I now live back in the city in Hamden. And you know, Baltimore, there's a sense of pride that comes when you're from this from this town, from this part of the world, because uh, it's ours. You know, for better or for worse, the good parts, the bad parts. Uh, you know, we we spend our lives. It feels like sometimes defending this city to other people that aren't quite sure what it is, or uh, or believe something that they may have seen or read or 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 heard about our city. Uh, and so I think some of my favorite memories about about this town are just proving people wrong in many ways uh, and, and seeing that sort of light bulb go off when they say, OK, I get Baltimore now. Yeah, I get why everybody talks about it. I love that, man. I love everything. You just brought me back to the 80s, man. Sliding yeah. a hot, hot, hot sliding board. I hated that. Ooh, it was don't let it, you know how Baltimore summers are. It's hot. It's hot outside. So I definitely get that, man. I definitely that. That thing was murder. That thing was, that, it was terrible. And you, I remember like, you get up to the top and you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, it's not even fun. You know, you're a little kid. You're like, I'm not going down this thing again. I, I like that. I like that. Great. Thank you so much for sharing that with the audience. Thank you so yeah. much. So 
tell us a little bit about you. I mean, you grew up in Baltimore. Where did you end up going to college? Like, what was your thing? Like, what was your major? What was the thing that you were like, I'm going to college for? This is going to be me. What was your thing? Yeah, you know, I was never, I was never a big fan of school. I got, I got to be honest with you. You know, it was, it was tough for me because I was somebody that, um, I was always, I, I read a lot and I, and I uh, would, would consume as much information as I could. But I was always a kid that really struggled with busy work. You know, just the homework assignments that were just there to show that you had done something. Uh, even as a kid, I used to think like, this is dumb. Why would I want to do this? And so college for me is really where it, it everything kind of clicked because I had a bunch of instructors as I think most people who've gone to college do. You show up in college and they're like, I don't care if you come to class. I care if you take the test. If you pass the class, that's on you. It's not on me. Uh -huh. uh, and so I went to I went to Frostburg State University. I went out west to Frostburg. And the reason I ended up at Frostburg was, was two reasons. Number one, they were willing to accept a kid with a really low GPA who had really good test scores, which was kind of an interesting combination. But number two, they had this incredible and, and continue to have this incredible theater program. And for me, the one reason uh, or the one excuse uh, you could give me to get me to show up at school was that there was a play or a musical that was coming up and I wanted to be a part of it. Uh, acting and being on stage and performing and making people laugh. That's been sort of a core thing for me since I was uh, really as, as little as I can remember. And so going to Frostburg, a place that inexplicably uh, does eight or 10 shows a year, uh, they're constantly producing musicals and plays. That gave me a chance to really build my resume from a collegiate standpoint. And all I really wanted to do coming out of college was be an actor, was move to New York and really dig my teeth into the, to the idea of being a stage actor as a career. So I'm sure people are like, all right, he wants to be an actor. He wants to be on Broadway. But he's the ambassador for Guinness. Yep. So you told me a story when I met you. And I'm blown away by the story because that's what this podcast is all about. Achieving your goals, your dreams. Keep on pushing. If you want it, go for it. Don't let anybody control your narrative. You control your own narrative. And let's talk a little bit about that. I mean... How, I mean, yeah, Broadway over here, and then we got Guinness over here. Help us, help us out with that. Yeah, it's definitely not an A to Z kind of story. There were, there were a few tangents in there. Um, you know, I, I often joke that every out-of-work actor is a working bartender and vice versa. Uh, and so I, I had long been behind the bar on the other side of the pine, just uh, very involved in the hospitality industry and the beer industry. Um, but I, I had a, you know, relatively successful acting career in New York. I was very fortunate. And so... Uh, while I was on tour with a, a Broadway national tour of a musical, uh, I was given the opportunity uh, to audition for and book the job working for Major League Baseball uh, in a project uh, that was called the MLB Fan Cave way back in 2011. And that was a great one year gig. It was super involved and there was a lot going on. It was we really didn't know what we were doing uh, while we were doing it. But it gave me an opportunity to really build my skills in terms of script writing and, and um, a lot of things I, I didn't realize I was going to need. Uh, that ability to engage on various uh, channels through various ways. And then when I left the fan cave after the 2011 uh, baseball season, I came back home to Baltimore. It was the first time I'd been home in years. And uh, I got hired as the uh, public address announcer for the Baltimore Orioles, um, work that I did until this season, actually. Uh, and the tricky thing with the Orioles gig working at Camden Yards was that it was a part-time hourly position. It was a great part-time gig, don't get me wrong, but I needed something to pay the bills. And so I did a couple of things, you know, I worked uh, selling medical textbooks for a while, which was not the best use of my skills. I'll be honest, they were very sweet people and they, they, uh, they taught me a lot about life in the corporate world. Uh, but then I went to work um, 
doing some consulting and eventually working full-time in digital media for a, a local sports bar chain and got laid off. And uh, it, was, uh, it was unfortunate, but it was also one of those things, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners have been here, when you lose a job that you weren't terribly fond of and you're upset that you lost your job, but you're not as upset as you probably should be. Um, and so I went home and I was you know, kind of worried about what I was gonna do next. I was in the middle of baseball season, so I still had that paycheck that I could rely on. And I wasn't acting anymore. I wasn't really working in, you know, in sports the way that I thought I would. And so my wife, uh, at that point, my girlfriend, uh, sat me down and asked me this terrifying question, which was, you know, forget what you have to do, what you think you should do. What do you want to do? Uh, and a year before I had been laid off, we had gone to Dublin. She and I had gone to Ireland to visit friends in Northern Ireland. But first, we had flown into Dublin. We had spent the day in Dublin. And if you go to Dublin, one of the things you have to do, there's no choice. You have to go to the Guinness Brewery. And we went and I was blown away. You know, I'd always been around Guinness working in the bar industry. I I'd, I'd understood the, you know, the stories for the most part. I'd understood the history of it a little bit. But what I was blown away by was the passion that people had while they were working at the brewery. The, the passion that they exhibited sharing these stories, the knowledge that they had and how willing they were to share that knowledge, how personal they made every experience, not just for the people taking the tour, but how those people were willing to share their personal experiences to make you feel like you were hearing something for the first time. And so uh, when I got laid off from that job about a year later, I knew that this building, this, this brewery, that Guinness was opening a brewery for some reason in Baltimore. Uh, you know, you didn't really know much about it at that point. I, I sort of understood peripherally what was happening, but I looked at my wife, I looked at Amy and I said, I'm going to go work at Guinness. I don't know what that means. Maybe I'll bartend again. Maybe I'll be a tour guide if they're going to look for people like that, but I'm going to make some calls. I'm going to talk to some people I know in the, in the, uh, alcohol industry, and I'm going to get my resume in front of somebody that can give me a hand. And, uh, four of my friends said, yep, we'll forward your email. I wrote this cover letter that is like the stuff of legend because it was way too long and way too prosy and, uh, and uh, this resume and cover letter got forwarded to the same guy on the same day by four different people. <laughs> and he called me, Kevin Ferns, good friend of mine. He called me and he said, look, man, I get it. Call off the dogs. If I get one more email about you today, I'm going to scream. Uh, and he told me about this amazing gig. You know, it wasn't necessarily at the brewery at that time. It was working throughout the South Atlantic U.S., but the job was unique in that uh, it's called the Guinness Brewery Ambassador Program. There's five of us around the country. And our job is to protect the brand of Guinness, to share the gospel, really, of this brewery and what it means to so many people around the world. And I just had the added benefit of having a $90 million brewery being built in my hometown. And that's where they wanted that position to be set up. Uh, I had a couple of interviews. It took less than three weeks from the time I was laid off to the time I got hired. It was kismet, man. Like when I said, well, you, you hear people talk about right place, right time, you know, opportunity is where luck and preparedness meet. You know, this is... Uh, it is absolutely uh, great fortune, but also something that I didn't realize I've been, been preparing for my whole life. That's awesome. I love that. I, I wanted you to tell that story because I loved hearing that story. That was a great story when I heard it and I was blown away. And I was like, I'm sold. I'm sold. Uh, you know, I believe in that work hard. Things happen for a reason. That job wasn't for you. So, you know, no. the, it wasn't for you, you know? So now, for people who are from, I have a lot of listeners who are out of state, not from Baltimore. They're gonna probably ask, why would Guinness pick, you might know this answer, I don't know. Why would it pick Baltimore? Out of all the places in the 50 states, why Baltimore? Not only in the 50 states, I mean, Guinness has breweries in 50 locations around the world. I mean, we're an international brewery, right? So in all, everywhere they could have gone in the world, they picked Baltimore. 
And you know what, man, when, when Aaron, when people ask me this question, I always have two answers. Uh, one is the practical reasons and one is the romantic reasons. Okay. And I, I'm, I'm partial to the romantic reasons. From a practical standpoint, we already had this site sort of in our world. We knew what it was gonna take to turn this 90 year old structure, uh, this old whiskey distillery that's been around since the 1930s, we knew what it was gonna take financially and logistically to turn it into what we've turned it into. Uh, from, a, from a population standpoint, you've got about 9 million people that live in Baltimore, DC and the suburbs in between. So it's a great place to be just in terms of sheer number of people. There are about 50 million people that can have breakfast at their house, get in their car, drive here and be here in time for lunch. Uh, there's a major international airport about three miles that way. There's a major international shipping port about 10 miles that way. So there are a lot of practical reasons that make sense. To me, none of that matters. The real reason they pick Baltimore is because this was the place this was always meant to be. Hmm. You know, Baltimore is a town filled with hardworking, blue collar, prideful people that just anything that's ours is ours forever. And we'll defend it to the absolute last breath that we have. And so when I talked to the folks at Guinness, when they first brought me on, I said, guys, you could not have picked a better place because if we do everything right, mm -hmm. if we make promises to the community and we follow through, if we hire people locally and give them the training and the opportunity to elevate themselves uh, from whatever circumstances they're in, good or bad, and get them to a better place. Uh, if we do the things that Guinness has done throughout its history, and we, we endear ourselves to the people of Baltimore and to the people of Maryland, the, these people will come to bat for us every step of the way. And that's borne itself out over and over and over again. The first year we were open, the first 12 months from August 3rd of 2018 until the same date of 2019, our shoot for the moon goal was to get 300,000 people through the doors. And there were a lot of people who thought we were nuts. That first year we got close to 450,000 and most of them were from this part of the world. Mm. This was a place that needed, to, uh, that, that needed to take advantage of this amazing backyard of ours. And you know what? There, there's an incredible food scene here. There's an, a growing and vibrant beer scene. But this place is as deserving of a thing like the Guinness Brewery as any place is in the country. You know, a lot of people have preconceived notions about what Baltimore is. What I will always love about Guinness is that they heard those preconceived notions and said, no, that's opportunity. That's a chance for us to go in there and make a difference and do something that is remarkable and memorable and gives people a reason to come to Baltimore. And once they're here, then they get to experience all the other things that maybe they hadn't heard about yet. Um, one of the things that I think we are most passionate about here at Guinness is being a gateway into Baltimore. And I think, you know, that's almost like from a physical point of view, we are right next to the airport. So you stop at us on your way, but then once you pass through Guinness, that opens the door to so many other things that make this part of the world as unique and vibrant and worthwhile as any place in the country. I will tell you, <clears throat> I told my friends, I was like, I'm going out to Guinness. And they said to me, I don't like that beer. It's too heavy. <laughs> I'm like, ah, see, you're, you're, see, you're thinking what you always think about when you get at a bar or a restaurant, you know? And I'm like, it's, they have more than that there. And I yeah. guess that leads me to my next question. For people who have never been here, what would you say to them? Like, what, I mean, they moved at that conception of it's not a local brewery. We talked about this. And I, want, I like what you said. Yeah. That's why I want to bring this back up. It's not a local brewery. It's not, it's not my neighborhood. You know, Guinness is international. Why would I want to come out there when I have five or six breweries around Baltimore City area? You know, tell them, tell, you know, it's your time to tell them why. Yeah, that's, it's, 
That's a, it's a fair question, right? I mean, there, there are some amazing breweries in Baltimore and Baltimore County, Harford County, you know, Howard County, Anne Arundel. I mean, it, it, we are surrounded by amazing breweries here in Maryland. There's over well over 100 breweries now in the state. I would say that if you pare this place down to its real, its base elements, we are where 260 years of brewing expertise meet the creativity and innovation that is the hallmark of American beer. Um, that's just from a beer standpoint, right? I, I think that for so many people, Guinness isn't a brewery. It's one beer. It's just that one nitrogenated pitch black pint of beer that everybody has seen a million times that most people have tried. And even those that haven't tried it think they know exactly what it is and they know every story about it. Um, so in many ways, Guinness Draft Stout, that beer, that iconic pint that everybody knows, we are almost victims of that beer's success in, in some ways, you know, because I love that beer. It's one of my desert island beers. I absolutely adore it. But at the same time, one of the reasons why this place is this one of the reasons why this place was built was to convince people that Guinness is a brewery, not a beer. So when they show up here, I think some people still, and it, it doesn't happen as often as it did three years ago, but some people still show up and what they're expecting to see when they walk in are 10 tap handles of Guinness draft stout and 10 tap handles of Baltimore blonde, because those are the only two things that they're pretty sure are going to be here. When they walk in and they see three different IPAs, three different barrel aged beers, a fruited sour, uh, a mint chocolate stout, um, a Cezanne, uh, you know, all these different things. There's one of my favorite responses is people who will look at us and say, Hey, who'd you guys get to brew these other beers for you? And it's like, no, we, we, we did that here. You know, I, th I think one of the, one of the, one of the amazing things about Guinness, as you pointed out, right, multinational company, it, it just massive. We've been around a long time. We are very, very big. But we know something that I think all great people and all great companies know, which is that we don't know everything. And so one of the, the truly unique parts of this project was that when they decided to build this brewery, we could have brought brewers over from Dublin, from Ireland, where our historic home is. They're some of the best brewers in the world. But if you're going to innovate for an American drinker, for an American audience, you better really understand American beer. And so instead of bringing brewers over from Dublin, they hired an entirely American craft brewing team and they gave them the keys to this place. And they said, OK, guys, go teach us what we don't know. And what you said about us being a local brewery, I would never say that we're a local brewery. I think that that's a disservice to, uh, you know, a lot of my friends here locally uh, that are from this area that are doing what they're doing that started from nothing and built these incredible breweries. But I would say to not call us a local story is equally uh, a disservice to us. Because when you come visit the Open Gate Brewery, everybody that you encounter, the people that take you to your table, the people that pour your beer, the people that clean your table and make sure that you're doing everything safely, the people that work our security team, our facilities team, uh, our brewers, everybody across the board, these are people that live in our communities. They're putting their kids through school in these communities. Uh, they're putting themselves through school in these communities and they're just trying to, to make a better life for, for themselves. And by doing so, they're improving the world around them. And uh, maybe that's me being a little uh, optimistic, perhaps a bit naive, but I think that we are a local story because of the people that bring this place to life. Uh, the building and the 40 foot harp on the front of the building, all the pomp and circumstance, that is absolutely part and parcel to being as large and as historic a brewery as we are. But this is just an empty shell without the people that are local who make this place what it is every day. Love that. People make the people do make the business. They really do. Yeah, they really do. So we're gonna get into a little bit about the main the main dish. I call it the main dish. Yeah. So went there, check you guys out, and we tasted something that was outstanding. 
outstanding. Like I, I, I wanted to go back and sneak and get some more. But uh, Genesis is doing something in the community. They're doing something very great. And I want to talk about that. Let's talk, let's touch on that. You know, the allyship, you know, what did Genesis put money back into the city, Baltimore city? Where did this all come from? Where did this all, let's, let's thought? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, that's, a, that's an interesting question to answer because I could go back 260 years ago to the founding of Guinness in 1759. And we have always uh, been a company that takes care of the people in the communities and, and uh, the area around where we live and work. And that was one of the things I was most excited about when I heard that Guinness was coming to town. And when I started learning more and more about this company, I was like, man, that, that's, that's gonna come in handy at some point. Um, the pandemic was, is, continues to be a challenge for all of us, uh, but it's also an opportunity. And then when you throw in the social uprising that took place, uh, something that was uh, long overdue in my mind, something that gave everybody a chance to stand up, to be counted, uh, and really to find a way to elevate the voices and the faces and the stories and the heritages of the people who have been marginalized for far too long, uh, I adore working for a company that not only said, okay, we're gonna stand in solidarity with Black Lives Matter, but more than that, we're gonna take our money and invest that money in organizations, company, people, folks who are changing the narrative and really making an impact. And I think that far too often in, in times like these, uh, it's easy to donate money. It's easy to throw money at something. What's more challenging is to identify the people who can help you direct where that money goes and how it's spent. And so uh, Diageo, which is the company that Guinness is the, the beer side of, uh, they have been right at the forefront of this since, since the beginning last summer uh, in, in donating funds, but a million dollars of that overall commitment to North America, to the US, uh, was going to be spent here in Maryland. And so it was our job through the brewery, through the Open Gate Brewery, to figure out how to invest that million dollars. And we identified a couple of people right off the bat, right? So. Uh, the Job Opportunities Task Force. We knew we were going to work with JOTF. And really, I should start by saying that there were three areas that we knew we wanted to focus on. Uh, equal representation, economic justice, and community empowerment. Those were the three big ones for us. And that was in talking to people who we felt could, again, help us direct our effort. And so JOTF checks a couple of boxes there, right? They empower their community by getting them uh, from lower wage earning jobs to higher wage uh, positions. That's economic justice as well, something that I don't think gets talked about nearly enough, especially in a city like Baltimore. Uh, we knew we wanted to work with the Maryland Food Bank, an organization that uh, is needed under the best of times, but certainly is needed even more during something like a pandemic. Uh, Baltimore Action Legal Team, BALT, uh, they work with people who have been arrested in the course of social uprising uh, during protests and things like that and provide them with the legal resources they need to get themselves out of uh, out of jail, away from bail, through the legal system, whatever needs to happen. They're a really amazing organization. Uh, we've been working with the Reginald F. Lewis Museum of African-American Culture and History here in Maryland. Uh, incredibly passionate, dedicated people. And you think about a museum, you think about walking around and just seeing stuff on a wall. These are people who are hosting workshops on how to raise non-racist children. They're digitizing their, their exhibits to give to teachers around the state so that they can teach all of this incredible history and important history uh, that, that too often gets forgotten about. So all of these organizations kind of coming together, Visit Baltimore, another one, uh, reviving uh, a diversity internship program that brings a more diverse group of people into the hospitality space, something that, that we know an awful lot about here. 
So all of those things kind of combined uh, to, to, to look at that million dollar commitment. But there was one thing missing and that was beer. <laughs> we, we forgot about the beer, right? And I joke, we didn't forget about it. Uh, but our head brewer, Holly, had a great idea. And, and really, I'll give a tip of the cap here to a brewery in San Antonio, Texas called Weathered Souls. Weathered Souls created a beer called Black is Beautiful right in the midst of that social uprising last year. And that beer project, they shared with anyone who wanted to take part. And to this point, if people go to blackisbeautiful.beer, you can learn more about the project. But to this point, there have been over a thousand breweries across the country and really across the world. It's an international project now. And the only thing Weathered Souls said was, here's the can art, here's what the label should look like. You make whatever beer you want, and then you identify an organization in your community that's making a difference, and you donate the money to them. So for us, that's where JOTF came in. That's when we started working with the Job Opportunities Task Force. And uh, we wanted to continue that work. And so we started a series called the Allyship Through Collaboration Series. Uh, so it wasn't just about making a beer. It was about bringing, again, a diverse group of faces and voices and histories and stories and traditions and all the things that make us unique and, and the stories that so often aren't heard in all kinds of spaces, but certainly not in, in the beer space. We wanted to bring those people inside the walls of the brewery and say, okay, guys, how can we make a beer that celebrates you? Uh, and Holly, our head brewer, was really the driving force behind this. I give her all the credit in the world. The first one we did was with uh, Jackie Wansey and Courtney Holden, two of our local uh, BIPOC beer influencers. They are carrying the torch of, uh, of, of BIPOC faces and voices in beer. And the beer that they made was a sweet potato brown ale called See Us. And that was a name that needed no introduction. It doesn't need any explanation whatsoever. Uh, the next one was with a diverse group of our employees here. Uh, we wanted to give them a chance to take part. They, uh, they wanted to create a black IPA with tangerines. And that beer was called Station at 601, named after a rail station that once stood at 601 South President downtown, something that I didn't even know existed, but was a key waypoint on the Underground Railroad. Uh, the next one was with Alicia January, someone I know you know, Aaron, uh, Discover Charm City on, uh, uh, on Instagram. And Alicia's family tradition was lemon pound cake with a fruit salad. So we ended up making this amazing lemon pound cake beer, which was the fastest beer we've ever sold out of. It was three days and it was gone. And the one that you got to try is the fourth installment in that series, which again is with a, a second group of folks here at the brewery. And uh, one of those, uh, one of our team members here is Jamaican, has Jamaican heritage. And so he came in with this idea. He's like, we got to make a sorrel beer. And we started doing some digging and sorrel, for those that don't know, is kind of like a soft drink, but it's made with hibiscus and lemon and clove and ginger. And so we recreated that in a beer. It's being canned next week. It'll be released a week from today, uh, Thursday, the, what is that, the 22nd, right? Um, and you got to try a little bit of it right out of the tanks and the beer is good on its own. It's a delicious beer, but the color is like neon fuchsia from all of the hibiscus in the beer. Uh, and it's, again, man, it's not something that I think we ever would have created if we hadn't given those folks the opportunity to direct what this project was going to be. So the, the spring sorrel ale is the fourth install, install, insta, what am I going for here? The fourth version of that allyship through collaboration series. Uh, which comes out next week. And all the proceeds from all of these beers are donated to JOTF. I love how you incorporated your employees. Yeah. That, that means a lot to hear that. And get the, again, we talk about community. We talk about Baltimore, local. These are people, locals, that you, that it's like, hey, let's make a beer. Let's figure out. Let's figure out what the Underground Railroad. Wow. That's amazing. Think about it. Uh, Soro. I told a couple of friends I had Soro. They're like, 
Solaro? What? Really? From Guinness? I said, yeah, they're like, no, Guinness doesn't have Solaro. I'm like, I'm telling you what I had. I said, I can't release the photos yet, but what I'm telling you is what I tasted. I know what I tasted. And they were like, Guinness. And they couldn't get, they couldn't add it up together. It couldn't just, it couldn't, didn't make sense. And I'm happy that I was able to experience it. And I can tell people about it because I thought it was wonderful. I like that you, my main thing is you had your employees have a say in it. And that's, I love that. I love hearing that it's a family, it seems like a family atmosphere. That's what I really like about that. Well, and it, you know, when it, when it boils down to, and I, you, you know this, when, when people feel ownership of something, the, the level of passion, the, the amount of care that they have for it, it goes through the roof. You know, we wanted people to feel like, our staff to feel like they were not just a part of this because they worked at Guinness. They were a part of this because they were physically and tangibly a part of what was being created. Um, there's a, a, a woman that works for um, uh, Miss Wanda that was the, the executive director at the Lewis Museum, uh, Wanda Draper. She's unbelievable. And she said something to me that I will always remember when she was talking about some of her programming, uh, when they try to elevate, again, stories and, and all the things that they do. And she was talking about children seeing this. And uh, she said that uh, kids can't be what they can't see. And I think people can't be what they can't see. And so by doing this, I think that we're giving people the opportunity to your point, right? There might be somebody who is, uh, you know, from a Jamaican background, but lives here in the U.S. and doesn't know how important Guinness is to people in Jamaica because we've been there for so long. How important Guinness beer is to people in West Africa, uh, in across really the continent of Africa, where we have 14 breweries and Foreign Extra Stout is one of the number one selling beers in Africa. You know, Nigeria is our second largest sales market in the world. Guinness has long been a diverse company and a diverse brewery, but this is a way here in this country where so much attention is being paid deservedly, finally, uh, to these issues. This is a chance for us to say, okay, this is how we can make a difference. This is how we can show that we want to be part of, uh, part of a solution. Uh, and I'm going to say salute to you and the Guinness team. Are you walking like you walk? Are you talking like you talk? And I love that. So many other companies stay talking lip service, but see it in action is a beautiful thing. And I really am proud to have Guinness Open Gate in my backyard. I am proud to say that, uh, you know, I went after this, after I came to visit you, I came the next night with a group of, a, group of a whole bunch of Syracuse friends with me. It's like, you gotta, you gotta check it out. And they came up from Virginia, Annapolis, other places around Maryland. They were like, this is amazing. Never been there, blown away. They're like, we'll come back, we're gonna come back. We didn't know this was here. And again, I had them like taste different ones like oh, this is like, wow, we didn't know they had all this. So thank you for giving us the information, you know, and I, whatever, I can do whatever I can do on my end to spread, like you said, the gospel. I like saying the gospel because it's, you know, people want to, they, they want to know and learn knowledge. So thank you so much for breaking things down to us. Thank you for being allies out here. Cause like I said, the world is, the world seems like it changed last year, but we're still back in the same thing again. You know, it's just a lot of things haven't Yeah. And they haven't changed. Um, when is Sorrel dropping? And how can, uh, say if I, uh, a customer from, wants to drop in or do you guys ship it? Or is it only locally sold at that point? Just, just I know I had a couple of friends ask me from New York State. They were like, oh, we want some of that. And they, like I said, they're Jamaican. And they're like, Sorrel, oh, we, you got to get, get a case for us. I'm like, I don't know. It might sell up, brother. I don't know. So what, what, what do you say to those people? Yeah, I would say that... Uh, if it goes like lemon pound cake did, hurry up, 
uh, because that lemon pound cake beer, man, it took us all by surprise. It was it was a great beer. Alicia is an incredible uh, collaborator, and it was such a great story. But it sold out in three days. Uh, so this one, uh, the Soro beer, uh, will debut a week uh, from today, Thursday, April 22nd. Uh, it'll be available in four packs, 16-ounce cans to go. Or you can get a, a glass of it here or a plastic cup right now with everything going on, single-use plastic. Um, but uh, you can get it on draft here at the brewery in addition to getting cans to go. Uh, it'll be available if you stop into the brewery, you can head up to the shop on the second floor, pick up your beer to go, or there's a way to order through curbside. I know some people are still very hesitant, understandably, with coming out to the brewery. So we do have a curbside program. You can find that at GuinnessBreweryBaltimore.com. You can put your order in starting, I would say, Wednesday of next week. You can start ordering for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday pickup. Uh, in, order, in, in terms of shipping it, we can't <laughs> ship it. There are laws around it, but uh, I can't judge anybody if they want to buy some and ship it to friends. So it's, uh, it, <laughs> it's yeah, I mean, this, this beer is going to be just available locally. And, you know, you mentioned how, how, how can people help? You did, you did exactly what we, all we could ask, which is you brought people here. You brought people to experience it. I think that, again, it's, it's easy for me to talk about this place, but there is a spirit, there is a vibrancy, there is... Uh, there is a, um, a living, breathing quality to this building that I don't think is easy to describe unless you've been here and you've seen it. And I, I remember, you know, when we talked last week, when you first came in here, there is a brief moment of like, whoa, there, this place is huge. There's a lot going on. But I think once you, you know, kind of take it all in and, and really understand what this place is, it's Baltimore, man. I mean, this, it's, it's industrial. It's a little rough around the edges. You know, we've created an environment that is about as safe as you're going to find during COVID, which is something I'm incredibly proud of. Uh, and our staff, man, I, I give them, goodness gracious, so much credit for the work that they've done in the last 12 months. I mean, they're an amazing group of people under the best of times, but what they've been able to do, it's, I mean, it's nothing short of heroic in my mind. Um, they, they, they show up here every day behind a mask, behind six feet of distance, behind plexiglass in some circumstances, but they're still sharing the magic and the history and the stories that make this place go. Uh, and I think that, you know, the, the release of the Soro beer next week is just another opportunity. And our staff is so ready to share that story with people and to highlight uh, what makes our team here unique because that's where this idea came from. Oh, man, look, you brought it home right there. I didn't have to say anything else. Uh, you brought it home. So we always do something fun on the show. We always do something really fun and I call it speed round. Okay, speed round. Yep. You know I'm going local. You know I'm going local here, okay? Yep. Crabs or crab? Crabs. It's more, more of a social experiment. I'll go with crabs. Okay, okay. The snowball or ice cream? Man, this is so hard. Where am I getting them from? That's the thing, right? There's this great snowball stand called uh, um, Quality Snowballs in Hamden that I absolutely adore. They've been really great. But I got the charmery a block and a half away from my house. You know, it's, it's, it's hard. My wife is non-dairy. She, she has some, some, some dairy issues. So I think I'll lean snowball just to save my wife the trouble. You know what? Snowball is a Baltimore thing. It's a Baltimore it is. thing. It really is. That's why I had, to get, I had to get in Baltimore. All right. Flats or drums? Probably flats. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not picky. I'm not somebody that'll, that'll go one way or the other. I, I just like wings. It, it's fine. All right. Here's a, here's a million-dollar question. Blue cheese or ranch? Probably ranch. Oh, man. I think. Yeah. I, I, Hang up, right? But see, I'm I'm also I'm also a wuss when it comes to spice, man. I have I have no tolerance for it 
at all. Um, but And it's so hard for me, man, because like we've been talking a lot about Jamaican inspired things with the release of the Sorrel beer. And all I want is like Caribbean jerk. Like I want jerk seasoning on everything. And then I have it a couple of times and I'm just like, <laughs> like I can't, I can't breathe. So yeah, I'd probably go, I'd probably go ranch. But um, for me, I like, I like a little bit of sweet with the hot. So for me, like honey with a Buffalo wing is something that's, that's really cool. And Baltimore thing is honey old bay. That's the, I think honey old bay is a whole different level of wings. Oh yeah. All right. The last one, movies or Broadway? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> it's at home. Come on. <laughs> you know, they, uh, they've been, they've been turning a lot of Broadway into movies lately. Uh, you people are about to be absolutely blown away. Um, uh, by in the Heights uh, at some point later this summer, which was a, a musical before Lin-Manuel Miranda was Hamilton. He was in the Heights. Okay. And, uh, I think people are really going to get blown away by that. But, uh, even with a lot of Broadway coming to TV and coming to film, there is something incredibly unique about seeing a piece of live theater. And I cannot stress this enough, man. Get out there, support local theaters, even if it's the smallest community theater in the world. Uh, it's just such a, such a breathtaking way to spend an evening. And um, you've got some amazing theaters in your backyard here for those that live in the, in the Baltimore area. So uh, I, I love live theater. It's where I really found my passion and found my voice. So I'm, I'm a huge supporter of it. You know what? You knew I had to ask that question. I did. You know, I had to ask the question. Right. It's fine. Where can we find updates of new releases of Guinness? Where can we go on social media? Are you guys doing TikTok videos in the back room or where can we find you? <laughs> we we got to hire somebody to do TikTok, man. We haven't gotten on the TikTok train yet. Uh, no. So uh, the, the, the website is great in terms of, you know, looking up COVID protocols, hours, what you can look forward to in terms of, uh, I think that was Sam, our, one of our guys that just walked by in the background. Uh, the website's great. So that's GuinnessBreweryBaltimore.com. A lot of questions can be answered there. Um, but social media is a great place to obviously stay up to date with some of the live things that are happening in the moment. So we're at Guinness uh, Open Gate Brewery US on Facebook. And on Instagram, it's Guinness Brewery US. Um, it, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, we're updating almost every day with something new, something coming out. We just debuted two brand new beers today. Uh, so there's always something new and something to look forward to here, man. And what's your hours? Your hours, uh, what days are you guys open? Yeah, this is when it gets tricky because, right, every every day is a little different. So we're open Thursday through Sunday right now. Uh, Pre-COVID, we were open seven days a week. We're hoping to get back to that at some point. But right now, four days has kind of been the, the sweet spot for us. Thursdays from 3 to 10. Fridays, we open at noon and we're open to 10. Saturdays, 11 a.m. to 10. And Sundays, 11 a.m. to 9. Uh, so if you visit us between three and nine, we're open every day. Uh, but it's it's a little bit of variation there between the uh, the four days. Folks, I will tell you, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful scene out there. They got a fire pit for, and they got the Adirondack chairs out there. It feels like you're in your own backyard. That's how I felt when I went going out there. And, uh, it's a beautiful layout. And again, thank you, Mr. Ryan Wagner, the Guinness ambassador, folks. Dropping in on No Picture Dark podcast hanging out with me for about 45 minutes, just relaxing and talking and have a great chat. And so happy that everybody could listen to this and understand how important this is to Guinness and allyship and, you know, what they're doing, you know, they're walking like you're talking. And I love it. I love it. And salute to you and your team, everybody who's doing, everybody who's working at Guinness, Open Gate, just thank you so much for being here. We need things like this. And um, any last words before we head up? No, I'm just, I, this place, uh, it means a lot to, to all of us down here. You know, we, we are not just, uh, 
we're, we're living this every day, man. And we're, we're very proud of the work that we get to do and even prouder of the response that we've seen from this community. Like I said, man, no, nowhere in the world, in my mind and in my heart, is more deserving of this kind of work. And uh, we get to do it every day. So just, just proud to be a part of this family and proud to bring the, the gospel. I'll say it one more time. Proud to bring the gospel to, uh, to our city and to our state. Oh, again, he dropped jewels and gems the whole time. So you might want to play this on repeat a couple of times. Your car ride home, car ride back to work, everything. So thank you so much. Love, peace, happiness. We're out. <laughs>